It's time for First Voices Radio with Tilkison Ghost Horse. Please stay tuned. What makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Thank you for being here. I have good feelings in my heart. For today, it is First Voices Radio. Greetings. Welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with good feelings in my heart. It's good for all of us to be here. Let the people hear your voice respectfully and celebrate life in addition to reality. This is First Voices Radio, and I send you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island where the sun and the water touch the earth at once. And I want to thank you for your generosity as always and for being there. You know who you are, and without you, we cannot continue. My English name is Tilkas and Ghost Horse, and I am your host for First Voices Indigenous Radio. On this day in history, in 1512, the Spanish crown enacted the Lies de Burgos, or Laws of Burgos, which were the first codified set of laws governing the behavior of Spaniards in the Americas, particularly with regards to indigenous peoples. The laws forbade the maltreatment of indigenous peoples, endorsed their conversion to Catholicism, authorized and legalized the colonial practice of creating encomiendas, which Indians were forcibly grouped together to work under colonial masters. And this week in history, two days from now, um, in 1890, the Wounded Knee Massacre happened near Wounded Knee Creek in 
in Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota on the morning of December 29th. U.S. troops went into uh, the Lakota camp to disarm them. And uh, as a result, uh, the 7th Cavalry opened fire indiscriminately from all sides, killing men, women, and children, as well as some of their own fellow troopers. And by the time it was over, at least 300 people were dead and were killed, and all of them were Lakota Alex White Plume is uh, an Oglala Lakota and one of the founders of the Wounded Knee Bigfoot Memorial Ride, which started in 1986. And at that time, people were feeling that we needed a wiping of the tears ceremony after the massacre at Wounded Knee in 1890. And the ride began because of the way people were living. They needed to change, and that, that brought awareness to what happened to Bigfoot and his people at Wounded Knee. And uh, right now we have on a line from Pine Ridge uh, in Manderson or near Manderson on Wounded Knee Creek is Alex White Poom. Good morning, Yane Wastelo, Alex. Are we okay with uh, being able to? Oh, I'm I'm okay with it. Kirsten, I'm just yeah. happy. I'm just proud you um, asked me to talk about the Wokiksuye. Uh, we called it the uh, Wokiksuye, which was a remembrance of uh, what happened to Chief Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And I, I was um, glad you told me, asked me this because I hardly ever, no one ever knows about the history of the Bigfoot ride because it was, uh, well, we never talked about it. We uh, In Europe, they know about it. In France and Belgium, all over the place, they know about what we're doing. But it seems like in America, they don't really... Uh, hear about it ever or even care about it mm-hmm. but late in uh 19 if you don't mind i'll just go ahead i'm just yes. anxious to talk about yes, it yes please okay. <laughs> go <laughs> okay yeah, yeah the uh, uh 1984 85 we were just evaluating ourselves and we said why are we living this way and i remember a time whenever um we had boss farmers on the rest Everybody was bossed around by a boss farmer. And um, I went to the military in 73, late 73, and I was doing the violence going on here. At, um, and right up the road from where I live, only live seven miles from Wounded Knee. And so I wanted to live, so I went to the Army. And here, um, somehow, I ended up in Berlin and got to see different cultures. But I came home in 1978 after four years in Berlin. I uh, I was behind the Iron Curtain and um, where the wall was. and. Uh, when I came home, that same feeling of being, um, uh, have guards, armed guards all around the reservation, it felt that same way here on the Pine Ridge Reservation. And so, and then I remembered our past. And I remember whenever our um, Indians were bossed by white guys, white people on the reservation. Uh, you get a hundred Indians say, well, we want to do this. But one white guy tell you, no, nah, you guys got to go do so. They all run and do that. So we were just being colonized. We've been colonized. And um, there was no Sundances. Just, there was two on Pine Ridge, I remember, back then. And uh, But the churches were in full steam. There was over 50 churches on the Pine Ridge Reservation. And they just had a lot of people. And, and, and so we realized, why, why are we living this way? It was our own people who became the dominating, the colonizers on the reservations. And so then we looked, and here we realized, those of us who spoke our language, those of us who kept to our natural ways, were the poorest people on the reservation. And so then we sort of looked on each reservation. Here's the same on each reservation. The ones who clung to their culture and clung to their ways usually were the poorest of the poor on each reservation. So we clung to our culture for support, for survival. 
and we ask, why is this? Why is this way? Uh, all the government policies were designed to colonize us, fall into the melting pot. There was no hope. And then they passed that Freedom of Religion Act, but that doesn't do nothing to our culture, our ceremonies. That's for the uh, peyote religion. And it was just a sad time, so we... Uh, we talked about it, and then we wanted to uh, develop our youth to be Lakota. We wanted to stop the brain drain of this colonization. And we always say the children are of the earth, and we've all been saying this. And, and, and we've all been saying this is all of our land. Why ain't we doing nothing? And here we realize since 1973, um, the uh, occupation of wounded knee, the violence erupted. And then we had the... Um, I guess just the uh, real poverty it was the poorest of the poorest, the Pine Ridge. But well, Eagle Butte beat us this year, so <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're second poorest on the totem pole in the, uh, in the states. Mm. But anyway, we uh, talked about it and talked about it, and finally we went to ceremony, and, and, and we believe in a ceremony. And I went up to uh, 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 one of my first cousins, his name is Curtis Kilsry, and I apologize for saying his name because he passed on, but... He was a holy man, the only one we had here in Manderson, and he used the spirits for healing. And, and he, he was, um, it was, I'm not going to tell how I met him, but we went to a ceremony, and he directed me. He said, Alex, you have to go over there and get on your horse. And he gave me four instructions. One was to use an eagle feather, and uh, the horse should have an eagle feather. That was one instruction. And the second instruction was not to invite nobody. Don't invite anybody. The spirits will do the bidding. And the third one was don't look back when you're coming back on that spirit trail. And and the reason you don't look back is our ancient relatives that were killed that wounded need to still walk that trail. And we're going to be riding with the spirits of our ancestors. And they're going to be so happy that we might cause our own stroke. So that's why we use the eagle feather. And so that was, those were the instructions that were given to us. And so we, uh, uh, we were just um, in shock, you know, in, in 19... 85, we're going to get on horseback, you know, we're already colonized, we're practically American. And, and so, and, and we asked a few of our people and we were criticized. And so we said, uh, well, it was kind of hard to do, but we said, well, the spirits told us to do something, we can't say no. And I think it was someone else, they probably would have never um, followed through with this. So that first year we, um, we, uh, we couldn't get to Eagle Butte. <laughs> we couldn't get to Bridger because all I had was a 1973 Bonneville four-door classic, you know. <laughs> we had saddles tied on every place, and, and, and we found uh, Bridger Camp where Humps Village was. And uh, that first year, 19 riders, we, we took off from there. And uh, I led the ride. I blindfolded my horse. That's what the, uh, the forest instructions from Curtis was that the lead horse would blindfold his horse so that he could ride through the spirits and the rest of the horses would follow and we left late at night and it was coming through that old bridge by bridger that metal bridge mm -hmm. and it was so cold and the, the the river cheyenne river was full of ice and you ever hear ice crack it sounds like a bomb exploding it just cracks and it just echoes up the canyon and the horses would just jump straight up in the air and just go backwards and they didn't want to go close to the river and but my horse was blindfolded and i had an eagle feather and it took every ounce of energy i had to go through that bridge we couldn't cross the river because of the cracking sound and when we got about halfway the river would crack again and the horses would just stand up and try to go back on that river and it was just really an eerie time but we left from bridger that year and 
Uh, we didn't set the trail. We just said we let the spirits guide us. And we came back to each campsite that Chief Bigfoot and his band kept back in those days. And in our history recently, we've been talking about that. The uh, ghost dance was in full effect. And that was the saddest thing. Why America would want to kill our ghost dancers? Because to me, when you listen to the ghost dance song, you know, it goes, Pina Kubana, Pina Kubana. And his mom, mom, come home now. The oldest son is hungry now. Dad, dad, come home now. Mom needs food to feed us. These are the kind of songs in those ghost dance songs. It was a time for crying to live, to try to live, try to get some food so we wouldn't stop starving. And so to us, that was just build up some kind of hope to exist back in those days. Because the Washichos wiped out the buffalo, they wiped out the deer. They were bringing cattle in, and we were just treated like uh, children. Instead of the original landowners, we had a real sophisticated way. So we realized all this. And then we also realized when Lakotas go to war, we never kill. We count it coup. So to kill somebody was end all. It was more honorable to count coup. And then wounded me when they wiped out 300, the whole Chief Bigfoot's band. His name was Spotted Out. His whole band was wiped out except for 30 were taken to Pine Ridge, and, and that was a total, total uh, shock to our mind. So we went into a paralysis in our mind, or just a shock of it. We couldn't, seems like we couldn't make decisions, we couldn't do anything. We just went along with whatever because that was such a heavy burden in our minds. And so when this holy man kills me, he gave us this ceremony, he said, it's time to wipe the tears of the people, and so you can go four times. In these four years, you look within. He said, and in the fifth year, you tell the world or you tell the people what you found. Very simple instructions. And so we did. We went four times. And, and in the fifth year, we wiped the tears of our nation. And it was really a, a difficult time for us because some of our own people that were totally colonized, they criticized us. They did everything they could to create roadblocks for us. <laughs> For the life of me, I never thought one of my aunties would call me a sun worshiper, because <laughs> I sun that. So it was just crazy. And, and But we held together with the permanent beliefs of, of uh, Curtis Kilsry. And so that's how the ride started, was with a holy man in a ceremony. And, and the ones who believed in that way, the strongest believers were the ones who came out, and we supported each other, and we went on this horse. Some didn't have saddles, but we, we, we had the strong urgency to be Lakota again. So we did, and um, uh, we, we, after that, it was a whole pleasant feeling because when we came on the ride that first year, everybody spoke Lakota, and, and it was just silly because we outcommon each other, you know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it was just fun to be Lakota, and nobody was competing about anything, and, and it was just laughter, and it felt so good to be Lakota. And the second year, uh, that first year, uh, we went from 19 riders to 28 riders. In, in, in 86, 87. And then in 88, we jumped up to 35 riders. And then in 89, we went to 44 riders. In 1990, there was 325 of us who rode into Wunzutni on horseback. And this was without inviting anybody. Me, when somebody asked me to go on a ride, I said, well, if you have to ask me, that means you're not ready, so don't come. Uh, if you're ready, you will just join in and come along with us. So uh, 
this is how the Bigfoot Memorial Ride, they call it, or Sitkankawokiksi, as we call it, mm-hmm. evolved, and it was a good thing. It was a simple thing. And today, we're so proud with Lakota, and from zero Sundances on many reservations across the United States, today there's Sundancing going on everywhere. And we don't mind that because in the past, we researched our past, and there's over 40 different allies that we created in the past. All this Black Hills around this territory was Lakota territory. And like the Pawnee was the first ceremony we had for Hunka was between us and the Pawnee. But the Washitos to have that history backwards. They said we went over there and wiped them out. Uh, that wasn't the truth. There was a war, but we didn't wipe them out. We made reality with them. So Pjesami brought us that first ceremony there. So the Pawnees are Lakota. I'm a Pawnee Lakota. Hmm. That's how they should announce themselves. And not only them, but like the Mandan, Arikara, Hidatsa, they came up the river and they were real poor conditions. So we found them and we brought them back to good health and we hunkered them. So they could live in Lakota territory up there in North Dakota area. And, and it just, every band we met, that's how we kept peace as we adopt them as relatives. And that's not a treaty. A treaty is just a contract. It's more intimate when you hunkered them. So all these bands, like the Northern Cheyenne, they live in the middle of our Black Hills. They also, I should say, I'm a Northern Cheyenne Lakota because we hunkered them. But the white man, he put us on these little bitty reservations. And so today, most of these bands become almighty on the reservations and they forgot those ancient ties. So today we're trying to refresh that. We're trying to bring back, hey, did you know that you're, 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 you know, you were hunkered with us? And we need you to realize that band. Otherwise, uh, what are you doing in Lakota territory? So anyway, um, anyway, the whole story was that's how it got started. So. And I just kept talking. Sorry, he'll, he'll, no, he'll, he'll, that, he'll, that, he'll, that, <laughs> that, I didn't want to interrupt you, Alex, cause we, we were getting, huh? we were getting a history book even more than that. We were, we're getting the whole feel of what would really happen down there since, you know, your DNA, your blood is from that time as well. And I, and my question would be, Alex White Plume is, um, uh, you mentioned earlier that 30 survived at the camp were taken to Pine Ridge and, um, but we, do we hear enough about the, the ones who escaped and were able to go to the stronghold? Uh, no, very few and, and even clear up to today, people still fear the government for retaliation. So nobody will know the ancient history except us. Uh, that's the same for the Battle of the Little Big One. Uh, we know the intimate story how we rubbed out Custer. <clears throat> And who's got the flag? But we're not going to expose those. We mm-hmm. keep them because we're still afraid of retaliation. Mm-hmm. And and it's even gotten worse with this homeland security thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So those are some stories that are real intimate. The people are still alive. Yes. And uh, um, uh, we'll you know we'll always know them. But the ones who speak Lakota, it's a secret mm-hmm. discussions that just go on, and mm-hmm. we choke about. Mm-hmm. A custard come running into our camp and fell down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of history that people have have misnomered. Uh, you know, they've misplaced and they've also just uh, misinterpreted and went on to to say, well, the Lakota were this and were that. And you started the whole session out with saying about the the Lakota language that we only counted coup, and uh, it was not uh, very dishonorable for us to kill. Uh, another human yeah. being, and um, I know that inter- through interpretation that the Lakota have no word for human being and uh, um, Wichasha. And would you explain that to yeah. the folks how that comes down to why we we honor life rather than trying to uh, ta- uh, kill it? Right. I do a lot of research on words because what we're doing is we're trying to go to the World Court to file genocide on the United States of America. 
And I'm not afraid to talk about that today. I already had my contour with Homeland Security agents over this issue. But we, um, that's, that's what we led to after we went through this ride. I wrote 13 years in a row. And it took me that long to deal with my historical grief and my trauma. That's, that's the purpose of this ride was to deal with that. Every day we'd get on a horse and we'd ride and, and, and we'd cry and the pain of sitting on a horse and 10, 20 below zero weather, the cold and, and, and we'd cry and the tears would just freeze on our face. And, and so we'd done that. We rode all the way back to Wounded Knee and on the ninth day when we got to Wounded Knee, We'd ride down the hill into Wounded Knee, and, and that's when you just choke up. You just mm. let all that grief go. And then, um, but you got stronger as a result as the years go by. And so I dealt with that trauma there so I could talk about it uh, logically, I guess. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> we, uh, we, we all finished together. And it was only supposed to be five times, but our children will not let go. But I think when we rode into Wounded Knee, the effect we had on our people was just that. They uh, remembered they were Lakota. Hmm. Well, I guess I didn't really deal with that grief that much. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we rekindled an old fire. We, we brought pride back to our people, and with that wiping of the uh, tears... It cleansed some of that pain that we look back. Because as Lakota, when we talk about history, uh, none of it's good. All our history has been getting killed, being trampled on by Americans. They just, um, there used to be a time here where as an Indian, you'd be hitchhiking to Rapid City to go get a job, and a white guy go through and shoot you or run over you and just go on. That's how bad it was. And so our history with America has never been good, and that's not our fault. It was the Americans, the way they acted, they're superior to all mankind. And as Lakota, it's the complete opposite. Nobody's superior. Everybody has equal status. So it was confusion, and we almost lost that, but we saved it. So we, uh, we're still here, but we changed the atmosphere of our people. And, and as a result of that today, I really feel good. I, uh, my children, I rode on the ride. And then my sons all rode with me, my sons and daughters. Actually, me and my children all were on that first year's ride. Me and five of my, three of my sons and two of my daughters, they rode all year with me. And uh, oh, we were just, we felt so good, you know, as a family. And, and um, we are today, we're all good Lakota people. We're not druggers, drinkers. We're trying to raise our children, Lakodia. And uh, the Lakota people, we realized we've only had contact today we had contact for 144 years of direct contact. We first met Lewis and Clark in 1806, but direct contact was from 1851 treaty. And, and, and in 1868, by then, we had met a lot of white people here. So direct contact was only 144 years. And so our language and our culture was real. Our ceremonies were still real. The songs were still there. And I always remember that second year we came down Wounded Knee and we had a big meeting there. And, there was 128 different nationalities, different Germans. There was a, every Indian band you could think of across America was here, craving for their ways. And they asked us, we don't have our language. We've had 500 years of contact. We don't have no ceremonies. So at that time, we had a mass meeting, and we lent them the vision quest ceremony and the Inipi, what they call sweat lodge. We said, you could use our two ceremonies. You go vision quest, and you bring back your way. 
and you could use our Inipi, the purification lodge, to go get your vision. And because it's important, you bring back your way. So we lent our religions, not our religion, our ceremonies to them for that purpose. We didn't say, yeah, go ahead and take all our ceremonies, go ahead and go start sun dancing all over the world. Hmm. We didn't say that. We just said, use the vision quest to bring back your ceremonies, because that's important for all of us. Mother Earth needs culture, because the way we live, is we, we cry and we pray and we actually send our voice to the different elements, the different seasons. Cry for the thunders to come back in April so we'll have a good summer, you know. So we, we treat the elements like they're real and they treat us kindly back in return. So if this earth didn't have no culture, uh, it's going to destruct itself. So we're holding this world together for all the white people to come to us and kill us and mistreat us. That is the bottom line how it is. But anyway, our ceremonies went out all over the world, and today there's more people wanting to be our way of spirituality rather than the white man's way. <laughs> so it's uh, it changed, and so but we didn't get permission to go sun dancing all over Europe. The powers here in the Black Hills. If you want a ceremony, it's the closer you are to the Black Hills, you get the power. But that guy in Europe can't feel that power, so he's wasting his time and our time. So we don't like that, but we can't say no. How do we stop that? There's, you know, this has a, a over, this kind of overthrew what we really wanted to accomplish. But the ride is today. They're going to be riding into what you call Red All Springs. It's um, south of Kyle, and they'll be riding in and. Today is the day they used to honor the women and all the men, all the big food riders. Imagine women used to make sure you wash your hands, they say, but we used to cook the food. We set up the camp, and today was total honoring of the woman. They just love that, that attention. You know, they sit around like we used to and (laughs) spill the whole pot of potato soup. Oh, we used to make all kinds of mistakes, but we we did good, and that's what's going to happen today on the ride. So it's intimately building power back in our people because that cry to let go of that historical grief and trauma is just the greatest sensation anybody could feel and and as a result different bands are starting to do things some have walks some have runs um and we lakota we get on a horse and we ride because to take a lakota and, and put him on a horse you know we have ancient origin stories about the horse how he came to us how he lived with us 10, 20,000 years ago before the white man were even born. <laughs> and so we, that's why it's important that we Lakota together with the horse. And, and um, I just want to clear up one misconception about that. People say the horse is a dog, Shunka. He's a sacred red dog, you know, a sacred black dog, you know. And that's, that's the furthest from the truth. The horse is a bigger wolf. That's what we call the horse. Because he was bigger than a wolf, and he was more gentle, and he could carry more things. So there's a lot of misconceptions out there that needs to be changed. The whole history was written by colonizers, so none of it is true. <laughs> um, Alex, we're going to, um, if you can stay with us, we're going to come right back. We're just going to do a, a small station break. And this is speaking with Alex Whiteplume, who is one of the founders of the uh, original Bigfoot Memorial Ride at happening right now uh, in Wounded Knee, South Dakota, and uh, this is history, folks, and we need to pay attention to things that we don't hear in this country that is misnomered as America. This is Turtle Island, and this is uh, the land of the indigenous peoples, and we'll be right back. This is First Voices Radio. Setting you up for this, Turning Away by Doogie McLean.
What was fastened we've unlocked, revealing wondrous wild. And in search of confirmation, we have jumped into the fire and scrambled with our burning feet through uncontrolled desire. And in darkness we do what we can. In daylight we're oblivion. Our Carve it into stone. How but words cannot extinguish it, however hard they're thrown. And in darkness we do what we can. In daylight we're oblivion. Our hearts so raw and They had given it away Only the children of their children Know the price they had to pay And in darkness we do what we can In daylight we're oblivion Our hearts are so
This is First Voices Radio. On the line, we have uh, Alex Whiteplume. He's with us and staying with us. In the meantime, from Woodini Creek out in uh, Manderson, South Dakota. Thanks for joining us again, Alex. Good morning again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Teokas, I want to touch a little bit on words. The American language is written up. It's made up of words. Yeah. And uh, all the Americans that come here to see me on Pine Ridge Res was always ask me, how come you don't have no jobs? Look at all this land. How come you don't have no income? And so I was explain some of the importance of words. And uh, in, in, uh, I use the Black's Laws Dictionary to interpret words. Anyway, um, up there, I, I looked up the word for person, a person. And uh, in that book, it says a person is a corporate fiction. That's what a person is in the Black's Law Dictionary. And then I looked up human because they always call us human. And here it says sea monster. That's what it's called in the Black's Laws Dictionary. <laughs> wow. So then I look up the word sea monster, and here it says it's one that cannot own or inherit property. So And then job is a public uh, gain for dishonest act. And so and then to employ was to uh, employ a deceit. So uh, to us, if I go get a job, I'm going to commit a sin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I always look at the words and how the language just, in, you know, the people. And it just it just amazes me how the Americans uh, can use this language and live. Uh, the Great Lakota Nation is uh, what we call Tithuma. And the Tithuma is made up of the Hunkpapa and uh, Sihasapa and Makazi and Itazikcho and Ahokwoju and Ohenupa and Ha'oglala and Sichanghu. And long time ago, we used to call ourselves Eagle Buttes, Banding Rock, Lower Brule, Crow Creek System. But today, I think it's triggered from this right is the bands are calling themselves by their original names. And even the Western Dakota, the Yankton, is calling me Hunktuwa. They use that word, Hunktuwa. And the Yanktinai is Hunktuwana. And so that's. It's, I'm just so proud of that because all we did was get on a horse and we rode for to change this. And here today, things are just starting to fall into place. And um, up there in Canada today, they're gonna they're all coming together in solidarity. I'm just so proud of them. Uh, there's a chief up there that's going through a hunger strike, and that's just saddening that we have to go to these extremes to get our needs met. But I think the time is finally here where. All indigenous people around the world need to stand up and gain their natural territories and their natural ways back. And the reason I say this is because Mother Earth needs culture. She needs us here. And the American way, they don't have no culture. They, um, everything is to take, 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 take. And I wrote a little piece about Americans, too. And um, I, I went to college one time, and, and uh, basically Americans are God-fearing Christian capitalists and nothing stands in their way of making a profit. And it got this way by, uh, one, is not talking about it. And then, two, just don't report it. And three, don't talk about it. And if it does, uh, just lie about it. Uh, that seems to be the American way. Hmm. <laughs> and so we really can't get nothing done here in America with that kind of an attitude towards us. When we're land, natural, everything's live. 
and the American way it's opposite is to take, take, take. There's got to be a halfway point where we all meet sometimes. And so while um, the Bigfoot ride, the memorial ride, and, and, and you could tell by the how, how each reservation was colonized. I remember on Eagle Beach, they used to call it the Bigfoot Trail Ride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Rosebud called it the Ride to Wounded Knee. And, and each reservation had a different, you know, title for it. But it's all, one word is called Sitanka Wokiksuya. And so today, that shifted. And, and the young kids, they made a vow to ride until they speak Lakota. And this has been going on all this time, and it's been 26 years now. And it was supposed to end in five years, but they carried it on extra 20 years now, and they're still riding. And I feel for them, because right now, it's cold outside. It's only like six degrees and snowing. It's snowing right now. And my grandkids and kids are laying in the snow, coming back to when they need to feel that pain. And they're doing that so for all of us can let that historical grief and trauma go. And America had created a historical debt with us. And if they was ever to get honor, if they were to honor themselves and come down here to meet with Chef Red Cloud and say, we want to um, honor ourselves, what can we do to bring peace between us? Um, I think that day needs to come. But when they came here, we done a scientific calculation on how much America owed just the Lakota Nation. And it's $44 trillion is what owed us. That was going by what New York paid their people when they killed them. And this is modern times, so uh, we estimated Obama was to come here and sit down at the table with Chief Red Cloud and bring $44 trillion and stack it up all around and say, well, I'm going to give this to you and I want to have honor. I want to have a new way of life. We would probably talk to him. But to us, money doesn't really mean anything because when you die, you're not going to be buried with it. But America has a historical debt with just the Lakota and all the other nations, they have debts with them too. They have to own up. And so uh, they need to be honorable around the world. Nobody likes America for some reason. They become uh, warmongers. Every place they go, they have such a big bully military force. They just go around killing off people of color all over the world. They should go attack Canada for attacking Indians. You know, those. they should go police up the right way. Instead, it seems like they want to go for the people with oil. Mm. And so we uh, we don't want to start a big controversy, but we uh, we feel... That day is coming where the United States has to honor itself. And it's talking about human rights violations. It's criticizing other nations around the world. But America needs to look at its own backyard on its treatment towards indigenous peoples. We calculate that there's over 100 million indigenous nations, over 1,200 different speaking bands in America were wiped out, down to 327. Out of this 327, I estimate only like 16 bands that still maintain their language. It's a sorry, sorry statistic. And, and this is what we want to turn around and we want to go back to bring back our language because they all mean something. And so the American genocide was almost thorough. It's almost complete. Nowhere in the world history, any nation has ever done this to a group of people the way we were treated here in America. And But they don't want to talk about it. They cover it up. So we realize that. So, But we're going to bring this to the world. We're, we're starting to go out to the world and explain to them. We wish Obama or Clinton or Bush, one of them would have done this. But they won't answer our phone calls. They won't answer our letters. They just hide behind silence. So we're going to go around the world and we're going to ask them to open that silence up. So different mm -hmm. countries are starting to receive us. 
uh, five years ago, I went to the United Nations in New York, and I, was, I went there to meet with Evo Morales, and um, and he he invited us, so we went up there, and he he what he said to me was he thought that the red man was a figment of the white man's television. He didn't know we were real. And when we told him about how we rubbed out Custer, he just laughed and slapped his knee. And, and he, he said he'd seen that show and he thought that was made up. But now that he knows we're real, he's going home and he told his ambassador, anything the Lakota want when they come to the United Nations, you stand behind them. Uh, the same thing happened with different ambassadors around the world. From We have indigenous people from all over Russia indigenous people from China, indigenous people from Venezuela that all realized we all have this horrible history and that was contact with the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all have that in, contact, in common. So we want to just um, get together and try to correct history where we have certain ways to live in certain environments like the Black Hills. The Black Hills are just the hills. But when we say Chesapa, that means seven mountains in the Black Hills that came up and we had a ceremony. Why that hill came up, we have to present our rituals to that ceremony. And so every nation across the world has those. And so they have to be respected. And the Aborigines, all their historic sites are built on towns with women's names, like Alice Springs, Victoria Springs. And so how can they get back to history when the whole cement jungle is built over the historical sites. It's a sad story, but I think as indigenous people getting together, we're starting to make sense and people are starting to understand that you can't kill a culture or there'll be no way to live. Alex, the white plume, we, we, um, I'd like you to have maybe another minute or so. And uh, I just want to express my, it's been a very honor an honor to have you on on the line with us this morning from South Dakota. I appreciate you, and I think all indigenous peoples have to stand in solidarity over culture. That's what's going to save us. So I appreciate everything, and I appreciate all the Idle No More movements, and we support them from here on the Pioneer Reservation. So, thank you very much, uh, Alex. And, uh, Thanks, thanks for being there for us, bro. And uh, uh, we'll see you next time. Maybe this summer we'll we'll talk, huh? Or sooner. Oh, uh-huh. we will. Uh, we will. Okay. <laughs> right. Thanks, Yeah, it's good to have you. Have you. a good show. Bye. We will. Thank you. Yes, that's Alex White Plume of the Oglala Lakota out in South Dakota, and uh, telling us about that ride that happened back in. 1986 to 1990, which uh, brought us all together as Lakota people and realized where we were at.
Conservatives flashing down the street, pointing their plastic finger at me. White collar conservatives flashing down the street, pointing their plastic finger at me.
For, for listening to First Voices Radio. This is Tiokas and Ghost Horse. Stay tuned. Stood still on a highway I saw a woman By the side of the road With a face that I knew like my own Reflected in my window Well, she walked up to my quarter light And she bent down real slow A fearful pressure Paralyzed me In my shadows She said, son What are you Fear for you has turned me in my grave. I said, Mama, I come to the valley of the rich myself to sell. She said, Son, this is the road to hell.
Oh, uh-huh. 